If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Isaiah chapter 53. You know, as we read Isaiah chapter 53, it's easy for us to see Jesus as the suffering servant, to see Jesus as the one whom the prophet Isaiah references. And I don't think that we're aware that for ancient Israel, there was no thought anywhere in their consciousness that their Messiah would suffer. The idea that Isaiah chapter 53 is referencing the Messiah is completely foreign to an Israelite audience. Not only that, even the disciples did not see Isaiah 53 as a reference to the Messiah. The only reference we see in all of the New Testament of this suffering Savior motif is in Peter. And it's a a very veiled, very vague reference at that. It's not until, it's not until much later in the history of the church that, that, that the church begins to connect the dots from all of these Old Testament passages and all of these Old Testament prophecies that, that yes, Christ perfectly fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy. And Isaiah chapter 53 was indeed a reference to the suffering servant, to Jesus. I'm going to focus on one passage this morning, one verse. Verse 10. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If, if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Pray with me. God, may we see Jesus as the suffering Savior. Leaving glory to become our ransom. Leaving glory to satisfy the wrath of God on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I read verse 10, the very first thing that jumps off the page is the Lord was pleased. For all of us who have children, the most difficult thing in the world is to watch your children suffer. Suffering in and of yourself is is trivial compared to watching your child hurt and watching your child suffer. And I'm I'm speaking from very limited experience. My children, they're not sick. They, they, 
they're the worst suffering they have is is when they don't get to to go to a birthday party that 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 they really want to or they fall and they skin their knees my little one came up to me this morning and and he had the you know big old puppy dog eyes and his lips sticking out about that far and 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 he was just just beside himself because uh because Anna was playing his iPad and it was only on 12%. I looked at my wife and I said, oh, to have a five-year-old's problems. But there's going to come a day, <clears throat> there's going to come a day when my children will, will suffer. And they'll suffer real hurt, real pain, real hardship. Maybe it's the loss of a child. Maybe one of their spouses will miscare. Maybe a spouse will be very, very sick or injured or die. Maybe they'll suffer a layoff. Maybe they'll have tragedy in their life. Because we live in a fallen world, we know that hurt and pain and suffering are inevitable. And it is, it is an anguish that, that every mother and father carries to know that, that one day we are going to have to watch our children suffer something. In those days, we pray for God's grace and God's mercy. And that's why when I read this passage, it it astounds me and it perplexes me because it says, but the Lord was pleased to crush him. And to know that, that God took pleasure, was, was, was pleased to make Jesus his son, the only begotten of the Father, flesh of his very flesh, bone of his very bone, to make to make Jesus the object of his wrath, it's mind-blowing. Now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I don't think that, that God is some, some masochist who, who, who somehow took some, some twisted and, and uh, perverted pleasure in, in making Christ the object of our wrath but it was because of what that would do. Because of what that would accomplish. As Christ became the object of the wrath of God, it would accomplish the payment for sin. The scripture tells us that justice pleases the Lord. Why was God pleased to crush Jesus? It wasn't because God is some masochist. It wasn't because God is, is, is somehow uh, uh, thrilled to, to see suffering or, or wrath or judgment. But God is pleased with justice. Because justice is one of the very benchmarks of the character of our God. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Psalms, chapter 89, verse 14. And I want us to see how justice is is at the very fabric of the nature of our God. Psalm chapter 89, verse 14. Righteousness 
and justice are the foundation of his throne. For God, justice is at the very essence of who he is. It is at the very essence of his character, at the very essence of his nature. Micah chapter 6, 8, this is a very famous, very, very familiar passage with us. The Lord says, you have heard what the Lord requires of you, O man, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What does the Lord require of you? You have heard what the Lord requires of you. The very first thing the Lord requires of us is what? To do justice. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. But the very first thing is to do justice. To do what is right. To do what is just. Why? Because God is pleased with justice. That's where the pleasure of the Lord comes in in verse 10. It's not wrath. It's not judgment. It's justice. God was pleased to crush him. Why? Because earlier in Psalm 50, um, Isaiah chapter 53, we read that all of the iniquity of us was upon him. We say that we want justice. We say that we desire justice. One of the things that, that my wife and I talk about often is, is, uh, is how can our justice system in America allow some of the criminals and some of the people that have done such wicked and atrocious acts, how can they be set free? Look at what they've done. Whether it be the child molester, or whether it be the rapist, or whether it be the murderer, or whether it be the, the, the most vilest offender, and they spend five years in prison, and then they get probation or parole. They spend ten years in prison after, after horribly hurting children. And then... They get to spend the rest of their lives on parole, on probation. So they get to interact with more people and potentially hurt more people. And, and we pull our hair. How is that justice? Because in, in, our, very, in our very essence, in our very being, we, we think we desire justice. But we don't. Because truth be told, the only difference between the rapist and the murderer is the act of murder. The heart, my heart, is just as vile and just as wicked. I'm just not brazen enough to act upon it. If I'm honest with myself, and if we're all honest with ourselves, our heart is just as vile and just as wicked. Jeremiah said, the heart above all else is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? We say that, 
We want justice. Yet when we receive justice, we desire grace. The reality is, is we want justice for everybody else, just not me. That's the human condition. We want everybody else to play by a set of rules and to experience justice and to experience what's fair, except me. Spend any time around children, whether it be elementary age children or teenagers, and you will hear the words, that's not fair, about 7,000 times. Whether, whether it's not fair that they get to have a green popsicle and not a pink popsicle, popsicle and, and, and I wanted a pink popsicle, that's not fair because they got, they got the one I wanted and I didn't get the one I, the, that I wanted. Whether it's, it's not fair because they didn't have to do their homework because their mom was in the hospital, but I had to do my homework, that's not fair. The reality is, is that, that we want justice for everyone else except us. But I want to point out that it was the pleasure of God that justice be satisfied. It's interesting, if we read through this passage, it says that the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. It was the pleasure of God that Christ become our sacrifice. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 reads like this. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. Why? To be a payment or a propitiation for our sin. God demonstrates His great love towards us that Christ became our payment. Christ satisfied the justice of God. Why? Well, let's look at the text. Verse 10, But the Lord was well pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself a guilt offering. He will see his offsprings. He will prolong his days, and the will of God, the good pleasure of God, will prosper in his hands. Well, it was the pleasure of God that Christ would become our payment. And then we see this idea, if he would render himself an offering. And the idea is not a conditional statement that if Jesus would do this, then this would happen, but it is a, a foregone conclusion that 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 it is it is a play on words it is it is a a linguistic tool that the author is using saying if this will take place then we know that this is the outcome but the idea of if is never a question it's like paul says if jesus christ has been raised then we have eternal life there is no if it is already a known commodity, but the, the, the end result is based upon the if. And so Christ has become our payment. Christ has become our, our satisfaction of the wrath of God. And so I want to look at this next phrase. He will see his offspring and he will prolong his days. Well, we know that his days were not prolonged because he died upon a cruel Roman cross. And we know that Jesus had no offspring because he was never married. And he never, he never had any children. So what is the author of Isaiah speaking of? The offspring of Christ. Certainly he's not his physical offspring. Turn to Mark chapter 3 verse 34. In questioning 
Jesus' fam, uh, familial relationships. Mark chapter 3, verse 34. And looking out upon those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. In Romans chapter 11, we see Paul clearly articulating that, that Israel would no longer be simply an ethnic descendant from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but that Israel would now become those who would believe by faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that the Gentiles would be that wild olive branch that is grafted in. And so all of those who are believing, all of those who are placing their faith in this justice that has been satisfied by Christ, become his offspring. And so when the, when the author says, in chapter 53, verse 10, when the author says that he will render himself a guilt offering, and his offspring will be, he will see his offspring, and his days will be prolonged, the Lord is speaking euphemistically about the blessings that will come from his obedience. His obedience will not result in a, a literal ethnic line, but his offspring will result in a kingdom that will have no end. His obedience will result in not just the people of Israel coming to faith, but all nations of the earth being blessed by him. That a member from every tribe and every tongue and every nation will be standing before the throne of God singing glory to God in the highest. That the blessings of God will come upon Christ as a result of his obedience. And lastly, I want to look at this last phrase. And the good pleasure of the Lord, the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand as christ is obedient he perfectly fulfills the will of god if you take verse 10 and you flip it around what you have is the good pleasure of god the payment of god and the justice of god you have the will of God being perfectly satisfied, being perfectly obedient to make payment to satisfy the justice of God. It was the good pleasure of the Lord to send Christ as our payment to satisfy His justice. The Lord was pleased to crush Him. It was the will of God that the payment of God would satisfy the justice of God. And that's exactly what we see in verse 10. It's the good pleasure of the Lord that would render Jesus a guilt offering that the justice of God may be perfectly satisfied. And I'm so grateful on this Good Friday that I don't receive justice. That I don't receive what I deserve. I'm so grateful that I receive grace.
not because I deserve grace, but because God is a God rich in mercy, abounding in loving kindness. So here's the question I leave us with on this Good Friday. Has the justice of God been satisfied on your behalf? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was absolutely sufficient to pay the penalty for all sin. But has it satisfied the wrath of God for you? Jesus asked this question of Peter. Who do men say that I am? Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you're Eliza. And then he asked this question. Who do you say that I am? I'm not asking the question, does Jesus satisfy the wrath of God? Because I know the answer to that. The question I'm asking is, does Jesus satisfy the wrath of God for you? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus perfectly satisfies the wrath of God. His payment for death completely fulfilled that debt which was owed. Perfectly fulfilling the will of God. Lord, there's someone here this morning who knows all the right answers. They've been baptized. They're a member of a church. But they cannot definitively say that the wrath of God has been satisfied for them. They know the story. They've prayed the prayer. But this morning, you've made it personal. The sin debt that they owe can only be satisfied by Jesus. Lord, may you speak to our hearts this morning and that we contemplate the cross of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.